about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. and we're glad in it. We thank you this evening that the Holy Spirit will take the things of yours and reveal them unto us. We make ourselves available. We say, come thy kingdom, be done thy will in our lives this evening in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We have an expectation that the Holy Spirit will show all of us something this evening. And that means some of us may see something different than somebody else saw, but that's all right. He'll, he'll show us exactly what we need. <clears throat> okay, quick reminder on my housekeeping notes here. Uh, there's paper pencils and clipboards in the rear if somebody needs them. Again, I encourage you to take your own notes because the Spirit of God will point things out to you, specifically for you. <clears throat> Our part is to receive them when he does that. And I also encourage you to write things down because it helps you to retain the word that was ministered to you. The blessing of the Lord is in you and upon you this evening. And don't doubt it, just claim it. All that are here this evening will receive a copy of the lesson notes at the end of our session together. And this evening, I'm going to start, I'm going to start this evening's session a little differently, quite a bit differently, actually. And the reason for that is this. I have to start this evening by humbling myself before you. And I'll pause there and say, what did he do or what's he going to do? So, well, the reason I say that is at the end of last Wednesday's class, Uh, I asked if anybody had any questions or comments or whatever. And Tyler was in the rear, and he said that he did. Uh, And I jotted some my notes. I won't won't have verbatim what he asked or said, but I certainly have the gist of it. Uh, Tyler spoke up and said he had a question. He mentioned a church that he had visited that was speaking on angels. I think that's apropos and interesting. They had spoken about angels and sending them out. And they asked, did I know of that? At that point, I was not clear because I was having a hard time trying to decipher exactly what he was saying because there was other conversation stuff going on. But this was after our actual session together. And so I simply told him I was not sure. Now, I saw Mary walk in a minute ago, but she must be in the ladies' room. But this is what I'm going to point out. After he said that, and I responded saying I wasn't sure, Mary was sitting over there, and immediately, just like that, in a heartbeat, so to speak, she said, Patrick, the book that told us about Kenneth Hagin, that's in there. And so I went over closer to it, hear what she was saying, and then I understood immediately when she started to say what it was, And so I motioned for Tyler to come down from the rear, and he did. I come over and got a book out of my bag, 
and gave him that, and then Mary and I spoke with him a couple of minutes on that. <clears throat> so I had, uh, in actuality, when he first asked it, I had misspoke because I was not clear on what he was saying. And uh, I was very glad that Mary spoke up, I mean, instantaneously. There was no, almost no time in between when that happened. So <clears throat> how many remember getting one of these books in the past? I mean, I can't tell you what session we've gone through many, but we passed these out. Well, guess what? We're going to pass them out again this evening. All right. And I encourage all of us to read it from time to time. Mary, could you hear us in the bathroom? No, sir. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no. You were talking about her, not to her. Yeah. I was simply letting them know how that last week at the end when Tyler asked the question that you spoke up immediately and mentioned Brother Hagen's book. And then we spoke with him and all, and I got him the thing. So I thank you for that. You was in season for doing it. And Johnny on the spot, so to speak. So I thank you for that. <coughs> well, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. So. <coughs> all right, so now... No, I'm not going to pass those out to the end. There's a slight possibility we may change that next week, but I don't know right now. We got, there's, a, what, a hundred and something hours between now and next Wednesday. So, <clears throat> all right. Uh, so this is Kingdom of God Finances, Miracle Money, Session 4. Uh, open your Bibles and let's go to Psalm 35. Psalm 35. My game plan for this evening is this. I do not have as many scriptures we're going to be going through tonight, the first part of this, as we have in other sessions. But part of that is because I have outlined in my own book, uh, so it won't be outlined in your book when you get it, but you're free to make any outlines and comments and colors, whatever you want in the book when you receive it. But I'm going to go through and read certain sections this evening. And before I do that, I will be passing the books out so that you'll have them. And I'll just indicate what page we're going to be on or whatever. <clears throat> but I think you'll find it interesting as we go. Okay, Psalm 35, verse 27 says this. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. Now that's different than once a month, isn't it? Yeah. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. That would be you and I. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He's not withholding any prosperity or anything for us. He's at work trying to get it to us so that the benefit is we're going to be able to have more to do in the kingdom of God when we have resources to do it with. So it says, let them shout for joy, be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the, more, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And that would be you and I. 
Okay, we will now go to the book of Isaiah. And we go to the very first chapter, Isaiah chapter 1. And we will be looking at verses 19 and 20. Isaiah chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Glory to God. If, there's already a condition right there, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. If you're obedient and not willing, still don't qualify. If you're willing but you're not obedient, you don't qualify. But if you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Now this is the word of the Lord, right? <clears throat> but if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. <clears throat> and so that pretty much sums up the matter right there. But you and I can simply choose to be willing and obedient. And I, I'll just touch on this for a second. When we go through this book later on, when I pass them out, uh, now it would, it would have been years ago in Brother Hagin's ministry, and for those that don't know, he's not, he's not on the planet anymore. But <clears throat> he was a young man, and the Spirit of God had to point out to him that he didn't quite qualify at that point for something. And we are going to read that, and you'll see it. But this is important about being willing and obedient, and we'll eat the good of the land. We don't want to be in the group that refuses and rebels. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. That is the promise from God's Word. If we ever find ourselves not eating the good of the land, we need to ask ourselves, now what's going on here? Am I willing but not obedient? Am I obedient but not willing? I have them going together. Because this is his word. He can't lie. I mean, we're all banking on the fact that John 3.16 is true, right? That's right. And we, we're more than banking on it, uh, let's say, mentally or emotionally speaking. We've already experienced it. And we experience more and more in our life. And that's what he wants us to have and see and be, have it become a part of us. <clears throat> okay, let's try one in the New Testament. Let's go to 3 John. Third John one two. One two, buckle my shoe. Third John one two. The elder run to the well beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. See, again, that has a condition to it, if again. Before we talked about willing and obedient, both had to be there and be met. Here, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. He wants us to prosper. <clears throat> that word prosper means 
succeed in reaching, succeed in business affairs to be prosperous. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Our soul would be part of where our mind is. We have a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. So he's, he's talking about <clears throat> prospering and being in health even as our soul prospers. So all of us is there. Our health certainly has to do with our bodies. Just looking at that definition, see if anything different stands out. Uh, I don't see that there, so we'll move it along. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So our mind and our will and emotions are going to be a part of what's going to enable us to accept what God has to give us, what he has to supply to all of us, what he wants to do for all of us. Absolutely wants to do it. As we've said before, you can't bankrupt God. I mean, in reality, we'd be relatively few in number this evening. Although there's some seats filling up back then, our pastor. So. <laughs> but God has more than enough for everybody on this planet. But you realize there's a whole lot of people on this planet that want anything to do with the Word of God. I'm being born against that. Well, that's just because they're deceived right now. Because the God of this world blinded their minds. But... There'll be a reach out into their lives and they'll have an opportunity to accept it or reject it. Thank God when that happened to us, we made a decision to accept it. Okay, let's go to uh, Haggai chapter 2. Anybody go to school with a fellow named Haggai? <laughs> Neither did I. Haggai chapter 2. And we're going to be looking specifically at verses 7 through 9. Haggai 2, 7 through 9. Uh, let me get here myself. Actually, let's start in verse 6, okay? Even though your handout notes will say 7 through 9. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. For thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry ground. If God wants to shake something, you imagine he can do that? Well, that word shake, you got your Bible open so you can tell us the answer on this one, AJ? <laughs> Okay, let me get that off my screen for a minute. I will shake, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. That word shake means to undulate the earth. Sounds like an earthquake or something to me. Undulate. To make afraid, to quake to shake, if God decided to shake something, including you and I, suppose he's capable of getting that done? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
There may have already been some times in your life that you were shaking under the power of God. And that's a good thing. Okay. Verse 7. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Look how many times he says, saith the Lord of hosts. He has hosts in heaven that do his bidding, so to speak. He issues commands and decrees for. You know what some of those would be called? Capital A and G-E-L-S, which we have been learning about, and I encourage you to continue to learn about them because, again, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. He will give you a picture. He'll give you an imagination, an image, something that will go off in you, and it will benefit us because, remember, he is trying. He's working on a plan and a purpose in our lives, and what we're talking about right now is to receive kingdom of God finances to see the miraculous take place. I'm telling you, you need to be expecting that, have an expectation that's going to help allow that come into our life. He wants to do it for us. That is his will. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. <clears throat> okay, we'll go to a New Testament one now, Second Corinthians. Now, from our sessions before, anyone want to take a guess what location, what part of 2 Corinthians? Okay, good answer. I heard the answer. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. We may possibly get into this, that area again next week. Can't guarantee that right now. But we're going to look right for right now at 2 Corinthians 9, 6. In your Bible, or whatever you're using, above verse 9, I mean, above chapter 9 and verse 6, is there a heading there in your Bible? Excellent. She said, God loveth a cheerful giver. And that's what's similar to what's in mine. It says, the cheerful giver. I would imagine there's been times in your life and in my life where we may have gave under compulsion or whatever it was, and believe me, I can, I go back enough decades, I, can, I remember that happening. I remember putting the pressure on the people. I mean, not knowing a whole lot, being newly born again, I certainly figured out, well, that ain't right. I mean, you're trying to coerce people into it. But God wants a cheerful giver, because that's the way it's going to do something in your life and then be rewarded from it. Okay, so let's read it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say... He which soweth sparingly shall reap also. How? Sparingly. sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully 
shall reap also bountifully. Okay. Soweth is an easy enough word. It's, it's in here throughout. It means ex- extending to scatter, to sow, to sow seed. That's what it's talking about. That's what the meaning of that word is. But when it says, he which soweth sparingly, can anyone, you say, you're asking us a lot of questions today. You know? <coughs> Trying to get you some extra credit, you know. <clears throat> when you looked at these before, now it may have been a while ago, but do you have any recollection whatsoever what that word sparingly might have meant? Okay. What's that? She said stingy. I would say that's correct because in here the word means stingily. It also says, let me look it up so I don't mess it up here. Uh, Abstemiously. And when I first looked that up way back when I first shared on that here, I figured, what in the world is that word? Well, that's what it means. Uh, Stingily, sparingly. And so... If that's what's going on in us, when, when we're giving an offering, we're sowing seed into somebody's life, whatever it is, you can see what it's going to produce. If seed produces after its kind, you don't want that crop growing. So, he which soweth sparingly or stingily or abstemiously shall reap also sparingly. That's the same way it's going to come back. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. What do we want to guess on that one? You're an assistant this evening, so. (laughs) You'll be able to remember years down the road about him coming up front like that, so. I told somebody I forget who last week, and I forget how it came up. Oh, I know what it was. <clears throat> there was a, a child sleeping in, in the seat in the rear row. And so all of a sudden, this story and vision came to me. I mean, it's, it's not, it is a story. I'm going to share the story, but it's a fact. It happened. The church I was going to, after church service was all over, and we'd gone out because it was annexed, it was a big brick building, we'd go up there and have coffee or whatever and talk. And so when we got all done... We get ready to leave because by now the church was closed up, the church part of it, the lights were off and everything else. So my wife and I, when we get out to the car, and she says, where's Jason? That'd be her son's name. And I said, oh, (laughs) we're running back in the building. It's pitch black in that church, dark. He was asleep on a chair. Never even knew it happened, so <clears throat> that's not in the notes, and you won't see it there anymore, but <clears throat> there's no extra charge for it this evening, so. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And again, that's what I'm saying, it is not good to put pressure on people for finances and money. They have to, has to develop out of their own spirit. And I don't ever recall that happening here, which is a good thing. But I've been in places where it has happened. And I don't consider it a good thing. And I don't think the Spirit of God is that pleased with it as well. As he purposeth in his heart to choose 
for oneself to prefer. So you're the ones that choose, as you purpose in your own heart, to choose for oneself to pervert, to purpose. Not grudgingly. Here's what grudgingly means. Sadness, grief, heaviness, and sorrow. Well, that doesn't sound too cheerful, does it? Thought I shut that thing off. That's what I had to do last week, though, was really KO it anyhow, didn't I? All right. So grudgingly and feeling necessity, that's not a good thing. Because that's the way it's going to come back to you. Seed time and harvest. As we sow. All right. Uh, you cannot believe God, and I won't stop there, but you cannot believe God beyond your actual knowledge of the Word of God. You and I are going to have to know what the Word of God says in a certain area. In the area we're in right now, I'm talking about finances and the kingdom of God. We have to know about that. We have to understand that. See what's in the Bible that says anything about that. And there's much in the Bible that says about it. And so that's how we're going to believe God. When we understand and see his word and let it become part of us, then it can function. Then we can cooperate with it. Then the Spirit of God can cooperate with us on that. You cannot believe God beyond your actual knowledge of the word of God. <clears throat> Brother Ben, can I get your assistance here? And actually, uh, Jim, would you help us also? One take one side of the room, the other. Give me, give me every, every adult a book. Every breathing adult in the premises gets a book. Now, you probably have one of these already if you attended any of our classes in the rear. I mean, in the past. But that's fine. Here's another one. And I want you to have it this evening because as I shared what happened uh, last week and speaking what Mary brought up, I thought, you know what? I'm going to get those books. I had to check and make sure I had enough of them. So, Did you have enough, Ben? Everybody's getting a book. Patrick just coming in. Did he get one also in the sound booth? Um, I didn't give him mine because... No, no, we got books. We got books. We got books. We're not stingily giving out books here this evening. We got books. You want one too? You can't even read. Say what? Alrighty. I believe we're going to be looking pretty good on time. I actually timed myself on this, how much I was going to be able to get in. We're not going to read every word on every page, but I'll let you know what page we're going to be on and what we're going to look at, okay? <clears throat> All right, so open to, well, it says chapter 1, a revelation from heaven. And let me say this at the same time. This was a book that was written by Brother Hagen. How many of you have ever heard or known of Brother Hagen? 
He's the one that founded uh, Rama Bible Training School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My wife and I were there in 1981. <clears throat> but anyhow, this book, and it's a mini book, this book was actually written, is anybody in here 36 years old? 38. <laughs> um, older. Don't tell us how old, okay. But anyhow, okay, so uh, you said 38? Okay, so you would have been two years old when this book was first written. You can see it's been around a while, so... You say, well, we're just getting in and find out about it? Okay, enough of the side notes. Chapter 1, <clears throat> a revelation from heaven. And we'll see as we go on why it says that. The subject of prosperity is currently so misunderstood in the church world that I felt I must comment on it. Now remember, he was making that statement 36 years ago. Uh, that's all for that. Go to the very next page, which would be page two. Uh, actually, be the first full paragraph coming down from the top of the page. He says, then I got, and again, this is Brother Hagen saying all this. Well, actually, in this book, you're going to hear Brother Hagen speaking, and you're going to hear the Spirit of God speaking to Brother Hagen. Then I got over amongst the Pentecostals. I think you'll find this one interesting, because he was a Baptist growing up. Then I got over among the Pentecostals because they had more vim, vigor, and vitality than we Baptists. They were twice as good as keeping their pastor poor. <clears throat> and some way or another, we young preachers swallowed whatever our elders said about prosperity. We didn't take the time to examine the Word of God on the subject. And see, that's important. Actually, Ben, I need to call on you for a minute. Now, quiet down. Just don't bend over. I don't believe that young lady got one. Okay. As I was saying, <clears throat> we didn't take the time to examine the Word of God on the subject. I suggest you take the time to look at this Whenever it is, don't think you're going to stay up all night reading it tonight, but I encourage you, take some time reading this. Compare it to the Word of God. Like I said, you're not going to be able to believe beyond the knowledge that you have of the Word of God. And so these are examples he's sharing because he found that the body of Christ was negligent in much what the Bible had to say about finances in the kingdom. And so we need to examine that. Okay, the very next page, page 3. Again, the first full paragraph from the top. I had heard others say, I don't want any of this old world's goods. He had heard people mentioning, saying things that way. Sort of makes them sound to be humble or whatever. So I picked up on that. I said, I don't want any of this old, work, old world's goods. And I didn't have any of this old world's goods either. As if there was something wrong with this old world's goods. And some would say, well, yes, there is. And he says, no, there isn't. And there absolutely is not. God put these th things in this world for you and I to enjoy. The silver and gold he just talked about. No, all these things are here for his children. He wants us to be able to take a hold of them. He wants us to be able to take a hold of them. <clears throat> okay. You say you're going through here pretty fast. I know it, but we're going to go 
reading a whole lot more pages the farther we get in the book. <clears throat> page four, it says, God had mercy on our stupidity and ignorance and helped us in spite of ourselves. And that's exactly who the Spirit of God is. All of us probably at one time or another, growing up in the faith, once you've been born again, acted stupidly and stuff and didn't see some things and rejected some things. I can remember rejecting some things. And, And the worst part about that, not only rejected the things they said, well, I'm rejecting that person also. Check them out. They're no good. Well, <clears throat> how do you suppose God felt about that? Who, who, who are you to chuck this person out, you know? Okay, going right along. Uh, chapter 2, which is the very next page. And what's this chapter 2, the heading in this chapter? Willing, willing and obedient. Not willing minus the obedience. Not the obedience minus the willing. Willing and obedient. I left my last church in 1949 and went out in field ministry going from church to church holding what we called revivals or meetings. Let's go to page 7. And we'll go from the top of page 7. I was holding a meeting down in East Texas when I went to the Lord about our financial problems. I went on a partial fast, and each afternoon I spent several hours in prayer. I talked to the Lord like I talked to you, because he knows what we sound like anyway, and there's no use putting on airs. I can remember him saying almost that same sentence in verbatim in Bible school or whatever, which is a good point. On the third day, I had all my statistics laid out in front of me once again. And I said, now, Lord, see how much better off I'd be if I'd stayed in my church. And that's what I wanted to do anyhow. I'd gotten hold of that scripture that says, if you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. And I quoted it to him again. I reminded him that I had earned $1,200 less than my pastor had paid me, reminded him that my clothes were worn out, and my, and no food and without a car. Page 8, starting from the top. I kept saying, Lord, you said right here in your word, if ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Again, just for repetition's sake. Willing and obedient. Two more. Hallelujah. That's a good thing, folks. That's a good thing. If you be willing and obedient, you should eat the good of the land. And he went on. We're going to skip down through some of that telling about, because he had already mentioned before, but his children not adequately fed and stuff like that. Uh, We're going to go to the middle now, where it starts with that still. That still small voice of the Lord spoke to my spirit, my innermost being. First of all, now remember, this is the Spirit of God speaking to him. This is the Lord giving him direction. First of all, that scripture that you keep quoting to me says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. The reason you are not eating the good of the land 
is because you don't qualify. You are obedient, but you are not willing. So you don't qualify to eat the good of the land. And this is Kenneth says, now don't tell me it takes a long time to get willing. I know better. I made a little adjustment down on the inside of me, and I got willing in 10 seconds. And this is the way Brother Hagen would speak, actually. So I can, I mean, from being in sessions with him and all, I can see he absolutely would have spoke up in what we're going to read next, the response he gave to the Lord. I said, now I'm, now I'm willing. I know I'm willing. You know I'm willing. And the devil knows I'm willing. Now I am ready. I'm ready to eat the good of the land because you told me that being willing is all I lacked. Yes, he said, I know you are. So at this point, Brother Higgins willing. And so now the Spirit of God is going to be able to go on and point more out to him. The next thing the Lord said to me was, your trouble is you don't practice what you preach. And I can see where you see this next phrase that says, now that was a low bow. That would have bothered, bothered him terribly because that's what he was sort of, he used the phrase a stickler on. <clears throat> next thing the Lord said to me was, your trouble is you don't practice what you preach. Now, that was a low blow. I grabbed my stomach. I hurt so much as if somebody had hit me in the stomach with their fist. I protested. Lord, you've hit me a low blow. I do practice what I preach. What do you mean I don't practice what I preach? Your trouble is you preach faith, but you don't practice faith. <laughs> this is only the Spirit of God to get away with telling them that, but that's exactly what he needed to hear at that time to be able to help them. I came to my defense. I said, why, Lord? You know I do. In all the years since I got my healing, I've never been sick. I've always received my healing, and my children have always received their healing. Yes, he said, you practice faith when it comes to healing, and that is commendable. But you use your faith only for healing, salvation, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's as far as you ever go with your faith. But faith is the same in every realm and in every sphere. Faith works identically in every realm and in every sphere. Faith for finances works just like faith for healing. The baptism in the Holy Spirit or salvation. Faith is the same in the financial realm as it is in any of the others. And so that's what we need to see. Now, when he, when he mentioned that, I'll take just a very few brief seconds hoping to tell you. If you don't know his story, at 16 years old, he was laying in the deathbed. And then he got raised up from there. And then he went on. He had tremendous, tremendous results in healing after that. So, I mean, all over the country. Uh, faith is the same in the financial realm as it is in any of the others. On to page 11. He continued... Now, if it were healing you needed in your body, you would claim it by faith, go out and publicly announce you were healed. You have done that. Sometimes, even while you were preaching, any symptoms you had would disappear. Now, you see, you have to do the same thing when it comes to finances. And, I mean, we can see the wisdom in that because the Spirit of God 
knew what he had done in these other areas in his life and had great success, but he's now helping him to see faith is the same in every realm. You can do the exact same thing with finances. But he didn't know that prior to this. All right, Lord, I'll do that. I saw I was not exercising faith in finances at all. We hadn't known that we could exercise our faith for finances, so we did without. We struggled through. We barely made it. Uh, Over to chapter 3. It sort of skips page numbers in between here, but chapter 3, the head of that is back to beginnings. You can't believe beyond actual knowledge, the Lord said. I'll have to correct your theology a little. I'd been indoctrinated with all that religious thinking, and unconsciously I still thought that maybe it was wrong to have the things of this world. So the Lord said to me, go back to the book of beginnings. I knew he was talking about Genesis. He said, you know, I made the world and the fullness thereof. Yes, he answers. You know, I made my name. Yeah. Back up and get it right. You know I made my man Adam, or Adam, whichever pronunciation you'd like. He says, yes. You know it says in the 50th Psalm that every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Yes. It says in the Old Testament that the silver and the gold are the Lord's. Yes, I know that. He said, it's mine Because I am the creator, and I made it. But then I turned it all over to my man, Adam, or Adam. I said, Adam, here's how we turned it over right here. Adam, I give you dominion over all the works of my hands. And as soon as he would have spoke that to Adam, that's exactly what he had. Now, he was the ruler on planet Earth. That man, Adam, had dominion over the cattle on a thousand hills. He had dominion over the world and the fullness thereof. He had dominion over the silver and the gold. Then the Lord said, For whom do you think I made the cattle on a thousand hills? For whom do you think I made the world and the fullness thereof? For whom do you think I made the silver and the gold? For the devil and his crowd? No. For my man, Adam... But Satan came along, and Adam committed committed high treason and sold out to the devil. I had never heard anybody preach this. I don't doubt that being the case. But the Spirit of God just preached it to him because he's helping him, helping him, enabling him to see he can use his faith. It was used in many areas in his life before, but he can use it in the area in the financial realm. And he did so. And at the end of the book, we'll see something that definitely highlights that. I'd never heard anybody preach this. Back in January 1950, this was brand new to me, a revelation. The Holy Spirit takes the things of his and reveals them unto us. That's what a revelation is. The Lord continued, Adam originally was the God of this world. He ruled and dominated this world. That's the way I planned it. When Adam sold out to Satan, Satan became the god of this world. 
as it says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, but he wasn't the God of this world to begin with. <clears throat> the Lord said, now the world can build a dance hall, a honky-tonk, a beer joint, a theater, put neon lights all over the front of it, and dress it up nicely. But if you want to dress up the church, people say, oh, no, oh, no. I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. The Lord actually said that to me. And that's exactly what he expects. And you remember in some of our sessions in the past, I pointed that out once. He absolutely wants us to have the best place in this city if we choose to stay, if this ministry chooses to stay in this city. Wherever we are, he, would, he wants us to have the absolute best because we are his children. He's the one that made the silver and gold and everything for it. And when we have an expectation, we have the image inside of us to draw on the resources of the kingdom of God that he's going to enable and help us with, those things will change. They absolutely can change. Well, you just can't go out and buy a... Man, property's expensive nowadays. You were just talking about property expenses. It might cost us who knows what, a million and a half, two million dollars to get a nice facility. It may. What is that to the Lord? Well, I don't know where he's going to get it. Now, you don't have to worry about that. But he can do it. And so that's some of the stuff we should be putting in our spirit. God is not a cheapskate. He's, you're never going to break him. And so, but that's what he wants for us. And so as Kenneth said there, the, the Lord actually said that to me. The Lord said, I am not withholding adequate food and clothing from your little children. That's not me. It's the devil, the God of this world. The money you need is down there on earth. It is not up here in heaven. And I'm not going to rain any money down from heaven because I don't have any American dollars up here. And if I did rain any $20 bills down, they would be counterfeit. And I am not a counterfeiter. You see, the silver and gold are down there on earth where you need it. I said in Luke 6.38, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom down there on earth. You think he's getting the message across, Brother Hagin? Yes. You know what the more important question tonight is? Mm -mm. Is he getting that question across to you and I? And the answer to that can be yes. So I don't know if I understand that all right. I said, have your spirit say yes. Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do to change. Show me what I need to do to handle the finances of the kingdom of God. I mean, okay, I don't have too much more time. Let me, let me get my lesson in. I got too many comments, I guess. All right. Then what should I do, I asked. He replied, in the first place, and this will help you, do not pray about money anymore. That is the way you have been praying. Claim whatever you need. Again, Kenneth says, I had never heard anybody say that about money. And I don't doubt that. Remember, this was back in 1950 when the Spirit of God was trying to straighten him out on this one. Not only was he trying to, he did. He absolutely did. We'll see that as we go on. He said, I never heard anybody say that about money. That came as a shock to me. 
I guess my mouth fell open and my eyes bugged out. The Lord continued, you say, Satan, take your hands off my money. Because it's Satan who is keeping it from coming to you, not me. Claim it because it's down there on earth. And Satan has the most control of it because he's the God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 we mentioned earlier. Say, you mean it's going to help if you open your mouth and say something? Amen. Well, it ain't going to happen if you don't. You could be under conviction. Somebody's preaching about salvation. You, you go up there and they say, we're going to say the sinner's prayer. Repeat after me. They say something, you just go. Well, they could want you to get born again right there, but if you don't say anything, it's not, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man will live on the righteousness and with the yap is made. And so we need to say things. We need to say things in the Word of God. <clears throat> Claim it because it's down there on earth and Satan has the most control of it because he's the God of this world. Say, I claim, naming whatever it is you want or need. People will argue, well, I can believe that God will meet our needs, but that's getting too far out there when you start talking about wants. And he says, that's just what I said to the Lord. Now, Lord, I can believe that you want to meet our needs, but our wants? He replied, the Lord replying to him, you claim to be a stickler for the word. And that's sort of what I was referring to a while back as we read. That's the phrase that Brother Hagin used to use. He used to say, I'm a stickler for the word of God. No, if I don't see it in there in black and white, I'm not saying it. But when I do see it in there, well, that's what I'm going to stick by, no matter who says what. You claim to be a stickler for the word. In the 23rd Psalm that you quote so many times, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It says in the 34th Psalm, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Claim whatever you need or want. Say, there comes our mouth again, say, Satan, take your hand off my finances. Then say, go ministering spirits and cause the money to come. I said, Lord, what in the world do you mean by that? I had never heard that before. He's learning a lot in this time, isn't he, in this session? Well, that's the grace of God showing him exactly what he needs to do in this area. He said, I'd never heard that before. He said, well, did you ever read in the book of Hebrews where it said that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation, Hebrews 1.14. I answered, <laughs> this would be him, Lord, I thought that said to minister to. The Lord says, no, it does not say they'll minister to, it says they'll minister for you. Jesus said, actually, ministering spirits are sent to serve you. For example, you go into a restaurant and sit down and the waitress comes to take your order to serve the table to minister for you. 
You turn your order in, and she goes and gets it. Can you see what he was saying? Turn your order in. Send the ministering spirits out to get it by saying, go ministering spirits and cause the money to come. I could see it then. For years, angels had been standing around me doing nothing because I had never told them. Come on, Paige. I had never told them to do anything. And I could imagine them saying one to another, I wonder when that dummy's going to wake up. <clears throat> well, he's waking up right here. The sleeping giant's waking up. And it, it gives you the Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 there. Below that, <clears throat> angels are spirits. They are ministering spirits. They are sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. That is us. We are the heirs of salvation. And so that's why the little bit we've shared in our sessions here in the last few weeks, talking about angels. This is what it's talking about. I said, Lord, I thought the Holy Spirit is supposed to do what the Word said He would do, dwell in us and teach us. This is the way the Lord explained it to me. The devil, Satan himself, doesn't do all the work of the devil. He is like the captain of the host. Demons and evil spirits do his work in the earth. They influence people. They speak to people. They try to get people to steal, to commit adultery, and every other thing that is wrong. Of course the Holy Ghost influences you. On the other hand, angels who are good spirits and are also on earth, if you'll tell them to go cause the money to come, they will go and influence people for good, just as evil spirits go and influence people for bad. Then the Lord instructed me that after I once claimed what I needed, that was to be the end of the matter. I wasn't to pray or do anything else. If I thought about the situation, I was simply to stay in faith and say, thank God it is working. <clears throat> okay, how am I doing here? Okay, chapter 4. The bottom of that first paragraph, it's, it's, it starts out saying, that's what I did with this controversial, controversial revelation concerning finances. I left the pastorage, walked over to the church. My knees were actually shaken. I didn't know for sure if this would work or not. This was all new to me. I had never heard anybody say anything like it. Yet, I could see it because I had scripture for it. I remember standing on the platform in the empty church and pitching that little crowd of about 70. In fear and trembling, I said, I claim $150 this week. Then I got pretty bold, and I said, Satan, take your hands off my money. Then I, what's that word? Imagined. Imagined. We are made in the image of Almighty God. We imagine things. We have an imagination. We can see things. Then I imagined I could see all those ministering spirits there, and I said, go, ministering spirits, and cause the money to come. 
I knew enough about faith to know that that settled it. If there was, there was no use repeating it, so I walked out of the church back to my room. Go to the next page, 25, <clears throat> and a little ways into that first full paragraph. Did you ever notice, give me just a second to try to find that, did you ever notice that you have more problems in the area of finances than in any other area? The devil will fight you harder here because he has more leverage in this area. Money is in this world, and he is the God of this world. He has no right to the things that are in this world, but because Adam succumbed in the Bible, that reference he gets, the Bible calls him the God of this world. Well, where to? Hadios, amigo. We're to take oversight over that. And you and I, all of us, will have to take oversight from the Word of God into our life, allow the Spirit of God to see us. It won't just happen. You can't just read this one night for three minutes and think you got it. That won't happen. But you read the Word of God. You spend time in the Word of God. And this book is a guide in some of that area. And then these things begin to come to you. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall lead the good of the land. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Let's go to the the very bottom of this, page 25. I knew that, and I'm interfacing part of the story above, but sorry, you'll read it more later, and it's going to fit into what we're going to next. I knew that if I suggested to the pastor that I was believing for $100 a week, there's something here I consider funny, so I want you to be able to see it. He would say, well, it would take God to do that. And if I suggested I was believing for $150 a week, he would say, well, God himself couldn't do that. <laughs> now, this is the past that he's referring to. But again, we really can't look down on this past, especially way back in that day, because he didn't know. But you and I, it's given unto us to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Uh, middle of the page. That night, I said... Brother Pastor, don't he's, he's in this pastor's church holding meetings. This is what he's, information he's given to the pastor. Brother Pastor, don't make any pull for money for me. Pass the plate and say, this is Brother Hagen's offering. Say as little about it as you can. When Brother Hagen, it is our custom to take up a pledge offering, he protested. The full gospel churches won't change customs They'd rather give up Jesus than change customs. <laughs> and that's exactly what he would say, somebody believe me. Well, I said, don't take up a pledge offering, just pass the plate. Brother Hagen, you won't get any, you won't get a quarter. I replied, if I just get a quarter, you'll never hear me gripe about it. I will just go my way with a quarter, and I'll know then that I missed it. I want to prove something. You just do what I tell you to do. I got this revelation about the middle of the week. On Friday, the, pa the pastor asked me to stay longer because the meeting was going so well. I could only stay through the next Wednesday night, however, because I had to go to another meeting in Alabama. I went back to the Lord and changed my request from $150 to $200. He's updating here. We've got to have a little more funds. <clears throat> when Wednesday night came... 
The pastor handed me $240.15. After the service, the pastor said this, that beats anything I've ever seen. I don't know where in the world that money came from. And Brother Hagin replied, I understand it thoroughly. In other words, he knew exactly what was going on in his life with the Spirit of God was dealing and teaching him with. And he tested that revelation again at another place. <clears throat> okay, so. At the bottom of page 27, I tested this revelation again at my next meeting. I claimed $150 a week. I counted 45 people in the morning worship service, including the pastor, his family, and myself. At the end of three weeks, I was given... $750 plus a new set of tires for the used car I had just bought. From then on, I purposely went to small country churches, even though I could have gone to the bigger city churches. I'd get so much money that I got so much money they'd be astounded. God's word works. It took all the faith I had back, and here's the part I want you to see, I mentioned earlier. It took all the faith I had back in 1950 to believe for that $150 a week. After feeding my faith on the Word of God and exercising it for the past 30 years, I can now believe God as easily for $1 million as I could then for $150. Now, that may astound many of us in here, but I assure you it happens today. I know a pastor who's been, well, actually, it'll tie right in, I guess. I won't, I won't get into any names this evening, but I can get, if you have one to ask me individually, I'll tell you, but absolutely true stories. He served in Brother Hagin's ministry for many years, under Brother Hagin himself, got to know him well, you know, everything that goes along with that. And so today, he now has two churches in different parts of the United States. One of them is over in Sarasota, Florida. And they put millions, capital M, S, millions of dollars in that facility to make it world class. The point is, if I can get this out briefly and easily, the point is, he has become a steward. He will only do with the money what the Spirit of God directs him to do with the money. And because of that, he's the faithful steward. And so he handles now millions of dollars. They have millions of dollars in reserve. Now, many times it's not there for long. But like when this COVID thing happened, he knows, he knows ministers all over the country because he goes there and preaches and stuff. But he knew many churches were hurting. So they purposely sent out, and I'm not doing this to break. These are facts. He purposely sent out to many different ministries that he contacted, know how they were doing, where they're at, some about to go under. He sent out, now, not each individual, but the sum total that they sent out over a couple of months was $2 million. Now, you understand you can't give somebody $2 million if you don't have it? But I say that to say this. God... You cannot bankrupt him. He is looking for believers in the body of Christ to believe him for what he has. We need demonstrations that would knock the socks off people in this world. Many people in the world are natural. They're almost bankrupt anyhow if they're not. They can't even pay on their credit cards and stuff. 
We need to be able to help them. And, and it's more than just that area. I understand this. I'm not saying, as I, I try to point out every time, it is not just about finances. But there is things to do in the kingdom of God about finances. And he wants you and I to have them. If you are the child of the Most High God, he wants to get it to you. And that's one of the things there, and I'll close with that, is that we need to be faithful stewards of what you have right now. Well, I don't have a whole lot right now. Well, that's all right. But you've got to start somewhere. So be faithful with that. Be faithful with that. And I'll remind us in this, and we'll close with that. The Bible tells that the tithe is the first tenth, and it's holy, and it belongs unto God. So that is the beginning stage for anybody that maybe hasn't heard that yet or hasn't fully walked into it yet. And so if somebody hasn't fully walked into it, I strongly encourage you to say, well, I can't give up. You know, let's say you made $300. I can't give up no 30 bucks. I mean, I, I got a hard time meeting it right now. Just ask yourself this. What could you give up? Could you possibly give God a dollar, a dollar 30 cents, two dollars? Even though it's supposed to be 30 and you understand that when you understand what the tithe is, start somewhere. Because God, again, God wants to get it to us. Believe me, God wants to get it to us. He not only wants to get it, you're going to see it. You're going to see it in this house. You're going to see it in your lives. If we respond to the word of God, leave the miraculous to him. He'll take care of that. Leave the miraculous to him. You yield yourself to him. You study that word. Give place to it and allow God to have his way. And we're a couple minutes over, but I don't think you're going to throw me out yet, so that's good. <clears throat> All right, Father, we thank you this evening for the time that we had together. I believe that your word is sown into their lives. They have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church. And so we thank you for this word. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the faith that is inside of our bosoms right now from hearing that word. And we call for a demonstration. We call for a demonstration of the kingdom of God finances in the lives of everybody that is in here this evening. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.